0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord, God is so good. Amen. Well, I just want to welcome you all here today. And as I get things set up and ready to preach, I just want to thank you for joining us today. It's such a great day to be able to do it. So I want to start right off by saying happy Resurrection Day. Praise the Lord for that. You know, the C19 virus, it's canceled a lot of events in our lives, canceled closed shops and many other places. And we're not even meeting here. But let me give you one thing you can count on. No matter what this virus may be, no matter what pandemic might come across our way nothing and no one could ever stop the resurrection day that cannot be canceled just think outside the tomb of joseph of arimathea the one who took jesus's body from the cross and put it into his own tomb there's a voice of the angel of god just declaring for all of us to hear each and every day why do you look for the living amongst the dead he is not here because he has risen Praise the Lord for that now I please ask that if wherever you're taking part in this worship service that you join in with us join in together and as much as you can today it's so important that we do this because we even though we're separated by person we're united through the blood of Jesus Christ and if you're watching this on Facebook wh- whether it's live or maybe a little bit later uh, if you're watching this on Facebook I want you to take a look at the bottom of your screen at the bottom of it you're going to see a little thumbs up, a heart over there. I want you to be able to uh, click that heart anytime you say amen. So let's try that right now. Look at the bottom of your screen, get ready to hit the heart. And as we say it together, I want you to hit that heart. So ready? Let's say amen together and hit those hit those hearts and those thumbs up. I want us to be able to join in the service together. And whenever you feel like saying amen, I want you to hit the heart again. So that way we know you're part of this, this live stream together and we we'll are be able to worship our Lord together even though we're separated from one another. Praise the Lord we're able to do that. So also, Jessica is going to be hitting, uh, putting the scripture. Uh, she's going to be putting the scripture in the comments section below, and uh, you can follow along with that. But I want to encourage you to read God's word for yourself. I want you to open up your Bibles. I'm going to even give you an opportunity to get there now. We're going to be in Romans chapter eight, so start opening up your Bibles there now. But you'll have that the, those scriptures there for you. So if you can't keep up, you could write them down, and you might be able to check them out later and Read God's word for yourself because that's so important to do. And I praise the Lord that you're able to do that. You know, today is Easter Sunday and I want to welcome you all to our service, whether you're on Facebook, uh, whether you're watching on a DVD, or whether you listen to one of our several podcasts that we got uh, got around the internet. We want to welcome you to be able to listen and join in, not for my sake, but for the sake of us worshiping our Lord. And this is a very, very different Easter than any of us is ever used to. It's an Easter that's going to go down in the history books forever. But it's not an Easter, uh, not as an Easter that's not going to be celebrated, but it's going to be an Easter where God's word is being made public see, the great thing about that is that there's countless churches around our world today that is doing Easter sermons online today. They're proclaiming the word of God in so many different ways Uh, using Facebook or YouTube, the the websites or whatever it might be. They're using it to be able to get God's words out. And I I pray for all the pastors out there that are doing this in a much different way than they're used to. And they're preaching God's word nonetheless. And yes, like I've been saying i'll continue to say it we're separated from the building we're separated as a church building but we're not separated as a church we're still together through the blood of jesus christ and i praise the lord for that amen so i pray that today that you and i that we make a choice to be a conqueror today i pray that we become a conqueror on this wonderful easter sunday See, today we celebrate the central fact of all Christianity hangs upon that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus is alive, amen? See, the angel announced it. The disciples saw him and we experience him in our lives today. Death couldn't keep him and he broke, he broke its power and he rose victoriously in that third day and doing so, bringing our salvation and forgiveness and our freedom from sin. And so today, you and I get an opportunity to celebrate that historical fact. We're embracing the risen Lord Jesus. See, that's what Easter is all about, to celebrate him You know, it reminds me of a story about this Sunday school teacher who asked her class on Palm Sunday if they knew what happened on Easter and why it was so important. And one little girl spoke up and says, well, Easter is when the whole family gets together and you eat a turkey and you sing and uh, songs about pilgrims and all that. "Uh, No, said the teacher, that's not it. I know what Easter is, said a second student. Easter's when you get a tree and you decorate and you give gifts to everybody and sing lots of songs. No, that's not it either. Finally, a third student spoke up and said, Easter's when Jesus was killed and was put in a tomb and left there for three days. Well, the teacher started thinking to herself, thank God somebody actually knows what they're talking about. But then the student went on and said that everybody gathers at the tomb and waits to see if Jesus comes out. And if he sees a shadow, that means that he has to go back in and we have six more weeks of winter. Now, I know I had to make it a little bit light and give you a little bit of a joke today. And I prayed that you got a chance to laugh because God gave us that emotion as well to be able to laugh. He brings joy into our lives. Parted out his Laughter. So let's go ahead, open up our Bibles. I gave you an indication where we're going to be, and I want you to read God's word for yourself. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 31 through 39. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And like I always say, if you're here at Central Baptist, if you're there, say amen or hit those hearts. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to worship you. But, Father, first off, as we come into your throne room full of mercy and grace and love, before we bow at your feet, we just humbly ask for forgiveness where we failed you. Father, I pray for me and for all these that are here and and watching us today, Father, or listening to us later. Father, forgive us how we failed you in Jesus' name. Father, as we just now lay at your feet, Father, I just pray that you just fill us with the Holy Spirit as we learn what you'd have to say to us today. Whether it's individually or corporately, Lord Father, I just pray you convict us through the Holy Spirit of what we need to learn from you and only you. So rid of our minds and our hearts of everything that's happening in our lives, good, bad, and different. So the only one we're focused on is you. Talk to us now, Lord Father. We thank you and we humbly worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, most of us have heard the essential message of Easter over and over and over throughout the years. And to be honest, we just heard it again in that passage that we just read. We we saw that God didn't spare His own Son, that He He gave Him up for you and for me. Christ Jesus who died furthermore, or more than that, Christ Jesus who was raised to life lives and sits right now at at the right hand of God and He's acting on your behalf on my behalf and if you notice as we were reading our passage here we were giving two incredible promises a promise that God will give us all things and a promise that nothing is going to be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord Those are two incredible promises that you and I have. But you have to also understand that those are two amazing promises that are expressed in a poetic way, but they're not for everybody. They're not for everyone. They're not universal promises. See, earlier in the passage, if you go back to verse 28, you'll see that it's clear that these promises are reserved for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of chapter 8, verse 1, you'll see it says, there is, there, uh, there is therefore no, uh, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. A little bit after that, verse 9, it tells us, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his, meaning God's, you're not his. So it's clear just from those three scriptures, those three passages, that the promise of blessing and the promise of security, it's reserved for those who choose to accept the gift of God. What's that gift? Well, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift that God has given you, given me today. See, every season, every Easter season, you and I walk through the end of Jesus' life. We walk into the upper room where he celebrated Passover with his disciples. We walk within the Gethsemane and we look as he prays, not as I will, but as you will. We see Judas' kiss. We see Peter's reaction as Jesus is led away by the soldiers. We listen as he goes through the trials and we hear the crowds choose Barabbas. And then they start to cry out, crucify Jesus. And then we hear the hammer of the nails. And we start to see Jesus lifted up high, arms outstretched, feet nailed to the cross. We see those soldiers start to cast lots as they want to separate Jesus' clothing. And we see the Son of God hang in agony for hours. Now we understand now as he hung there that that physical agony was so intense. It was unimaginable, but it wasn't even near as painful as the spiritual agony of of him receiving upon himself all the sins of humankind. And more specifically, the sins of you and me personally, individually, the sins you've committed and the sins I've committed. But then we also experience the complete wrath of the Father for all of the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, upon God, upon Jesus. We see all that. You know, it reminds me of a a pastor who gave a children's sermon one day at his church. And after telling the the children about what Jesus did on the cross, there was this little four-year-old who rose his hand and asked the question, What's your question, said the pastor. Well, pastor, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, right? For our sins? Yes, that's true. Well, why didn't God just do it himself? See, that's a great question. That's a wonderful question to be asked. And we, we could start to actually get our heads around it when we understand that Jesus is God in the flesh, That God sent His only begotten Son, but that begotten Son is Him. And that God did die for us. See, if we take an honest look at the cross, we will see God dying in our place, in your place, in mine. See, that's what God has done for you. That's how far He has gone for you. But the real question today is, How far will you go for him? How far will you go for him? If we have any understanding of the depth of pain and agony and spiritual death that Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life actually went through on our behalf, then we have no choice but to respond. And we need to respond with not just part of us, but our whole self. See, it was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was your sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And the harsh reality of our sin, which is Jesus, which nailed Jesus to the cross, well, the harsh reality is not softened. It's not lessened by what happens next. See, we cannot come to the empty tomb and start to think to ourselves, oh, good, it's over now, finally. No permanent damage done. Uh, it's really not as bad as I thought. See, we can't have that kind of thought process. We can't have that mentality. Instead, we need to be coming to the empty tomb and we need to be thinking, as horrible as that cross was, it is now overcome. It's defeated. It's conquered. It's conquered. Only then, and only then, can we shout hallelujah. That's when we can rejoice. That's when we can stand amazed that the love of God for us was so strong that he would actually die for us. And we would be amazed at the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. See, our primary reaction to the empty tomb needs to be one of joy. We need to Fill ourselves with joy because we have an empty tomb to look into and our God is not there. That's the kind of joy that we need to experience just like when a great injustice has been made right or when an evil has been defeated or like someone we love starts to to throw themselves into our arms. That's the kind of joy that we need to have and more for Jesus Christ. You know, maybe you read the book uh, that C.S. Lewis wrote, The Lion, the Witch, and the R- Wardrobe. Allow me to read a portion directly from the book. And remember that Aslan, the lion, represents Jesus and Lucy represents us. Oh, children, said the lion, I feel my strength coming back to me. Oh, children, catch me if you can. He stood still for a second, his eyes very bright, his limbs quivering, lashing himself with his tail. Then he made a leap high over their heads and landed on the other side of the table. Laughing, though she didn't know why, Lucy scrambled over it to reach him. Aslan leaped again. A mad chase began. Round and round the hilltop he led them, now hopelessly out of reach, now letting them almost catch his tail, now diving between them now tossing them in the air with his huge and beautifully velveted paws and catching them again and now stopping unexpectedly so that all three of them rolled over together in a happy laughing heap of fur and arms and legs. It was such a romp as no one has ever had except in Narnia. And whether it was more like playing with a thunderstorm or like a kitten, Lucy can never make up her mind. And the funny thing was that when all three finally lay together, panting in the suns, in the sun, the girls no longer felt in the least tired, or hungry, or thirsty. See, our first reaction to the empty tomb should be of great joy. See, just like Lucy had joy spending time with Aslan, just like Lucy felt peace and comfort at the end of what I just read because she was in the presence of Aslan, we have that kind of joy when we stand convicted and we find ourselves at that point facing a choice. See, our sin killed Jesus The sin that you did and the sin that I did killed Jesus. But the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of that, Jesus is alive. He is risen. And we have a God that still lives, not a little G God who's dead and gone. And Jesus stands before you this morning, wherever you're watching or listening. I want to read you a little bit of the resurrection account as it comes from John chapter 20. And as I do, it's slightly modified and I did it that way so you can actually imagine yourself in this scene. So I want to ask you to do something a little different. Wherever you're watching or listening today, I want you to be able to close your eyes for a few moments as I speak. And as I do, I want you to imagine it's you that's in the place of Mary Magdalene in this story. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, you came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. You ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for, for the tomb. They ran neck and neck and they witnessed what you told them. Then the disciples went back home. But you you stand outside the tomb crying. And as you weep, you kneel and you start to look inside the tomb. You see two angels sitting there dressed in white. One at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. And they turn to you and say, why are you weeping? They took my master, you say. I don't know where they put him. And after you say this, then you turn and you see Jesus standing next to you. But you don't recognize him. You think that he's somebody else, a gardener. And his voice says, well, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? And you thinking he's the gardener, you say, mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him, please. And then out of nowhere, Jesus calls your name. Open up your eyes now if you had them closed. Open up your eyes. I want to ask you now, Jesus just called your name. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond after Jesus just called your name? Well, we can respond one of three ways. We can respond by ignoring him. That's the first way. We can respond by ignoring Him. We could put Him out of our minds. We could go on busying ourselves with with the everyday life and forgetting about what God has done for us and not paying much attention to what He has done. We could even finish listening to this sermon and then go on with life just as it was before, not thinking twice again about what Jesus did on the cross. See, that's an easy thing to do if we haven't met the risen Jesus. But if you had, if you had your spiritual eyes even open just slightly, a crack, and seen anything about the reality of the cross and the resurrection, if you heard him call your name, I'll tell you, that's pretty hard to ignore. But you know what? It's still doable. But let me tell you, I don't recommend that option. Because ignoring Jesus is a very dangerous option. Because it might risk eternity separated from God. It sacrifices eternal life in the company of Jesus. But then we could do the second option. We could decide to make him part of our lives. We could say, okay, I'm going to go to church sometimes or I'm separated from this uh, because of this coronavirus and we have a stay-at-home order wherever I'm watching or listening to this. And yeah, I might, you know, listen to a sermon here and there, but... Uh, You know, maybe I won't listen to the whole thing, or maybe I'm not paying attention as close enough because I want to text on my phone uh, all my friends, or I want to be able to read a regular book and I'll have him in the background. Maybe we say, I believe in Jesus in my mind, and I'll just pray to God when I actually need something. Or maybe we'll say, you know, I'll live a good life. I'll try to do the right thing and I'll start thinking of others the same way I want to be thought of. But we want to stay in control. We want to decide how we want to run our life. See, that second option I don't recommend either. In fact, the harshest words of scripture are reserved for people who have actually met God, but they try to control him. They've met God, but they try to manage him. They met God, but they try to get him to do what they want. There was a church full of people just like this. And God said to them in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. See, those are some pretty harsh words. But the strength of this reaction makes so much sense if we have an understanding of the cost of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. There are no semi-Christians. We cannot accept Jesus on our terms. We must do it on His Those are two bad options, but let me give you a third option, and this option is something that we should be doing. This is the best option of all, and that is to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we can accept him and be able to turn our lives over to him and make him our Lord and our master. We can be united with Jesus in his death and through his resurrection. And the fact is, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for your sins specifically, for mine specifically. But he loved you so much more that he didn't just stop there. He rose victorious on that third day. And the risen Lord meets you right where you are. Smack dab in the center of your life but again how are you going to respond to him are you going to try to ignore him are you going to try to accept him on your terms or will you choose the right choice the only proper choice and make him your lord and your master see the choice needs to be made today Who knows if you're ever going to get a chance to make that choice again. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this once. When the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade, all right? But what is the good of saying you are on his side then when you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else comes crashing in? This time it will be God without the skies, something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It'll be too late then to choose your side. That would not be the time for choosing. It'll be the time when we discover which side we've really chosen, whether we realized it before or not. So now today, this very moment is our chance to choose the right side. You know, I want to invite you to make a choice this morning. Jesus hung on the cross for your sins, but he also rose in great victory over that sin and that death and the devil. And now he stands in front of you. Maybe you've never accepted him in your life before, maybe you think you have, but you're unsure. Or maybe you tried to accept Him, but you only wanted to do it when you wanted to do it and how you wanted to do it on your terms. And it's not really working for you that well. Well, God's desire for you is so much greater than that. He desires to be for us, as Romans 8 says. And it's to be, He wants to be able to give us freely all things. Is to be united in Christ Jesus who died. Furthermore, who was raised to life, so that we know the reality of his love for us and how nothing is going to be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Not any trouble or hardship, no persecution or famine, no nakedness or danger or sword, not even the C19 virus. See, God's desire is that in all things, All these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers or principalities, neither height or depth, you know, or anything else in all this creation will will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I believe that. Do you? I believe that wholeheartedly. Maybe you want that inseparable love this morning. And if you want Jesus to be your Lord, then I want to call you right now to get on your knees wherever you are at. Get on your knees and pray to Him. And I know it might be a little bit uncomfortable, and you might even feel a little bit embarrassed but it makes it real. We're soon to come to a closing song, and I really want you to get on your knees to do this. But let me tell you, as awkward or embarrassing or weird as that might feel to you right now, being not in church, but at home or wherever you're at, let me tell you, if Jesus can hang on a cross in front of so many people, I think you can kneel right where you're at and meet him right there. I want to close with the rest of God's words that He gave to the people uh, in the church that was lukewarm in Revelation uh, Revelation three. It's a power phrase that comes from the message, and I want you to listen to it. Here's what I want for you to do. Excuse me. Here's what I want you to do: buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough and buy medicine for your eyes so you can see me, really see. The people I love, I call to account, prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me, And you hear me call, open the door. I'll come right down and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside of me at the head of the table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of horror at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. We're about to come to a closing song and our prayer. But maybe you're here today and you're watching, you're listening and you've never even thought twice about accepting Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're you're watching today and you think you have and you think it's your works. Oh, I'm a good person. Maybe you're out there And you've accepted Jesus Christ, but you walked away from him. I want to give you an opportunity here to be able to get on your knees and ask God to forgive you. You know, if you never accepted Christ or you're unsure, it's easy as the ABCs. You have to admit you're a sinner. We've all made mistakes. We have to believe, be, believe that God sent his only begotten son to live on this earth To teach us while he was here that he was going to die for our sins. And when he went on that cross, his blood covers our sins. But he loved us even more than that, that he didn't stop there. Three days later, he rose again on that Easter Sunday. If you really believe that with your heart, not your head. With your heart, that you truly down deep, that you believe all that then you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You need to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. There's no magical prayers for that. It's simple, ABCs. But if you're there and you want to recommit your lives to Christ today on this wonderful Easter Sunday, Nick Manzie is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at Pastor Nick Central Baptist PSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.